Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Usually, usually what we like to do is we like to preach in series. Um, and as we go through those series, we will like to, generally speaking, uh, tackle different books of the Bible. It's probably my favorite kinds of preaching is just to go verse by verse through different books. I think that keeps my preaching really faithful to the scripture, keeps us really aligned with what God has said, said not just what man's opinions are. Uh, we also like to do topical series when the time is appropriate, when there's something happening in culture, and we want to just really take a moment to talk about this given topic, right? And so usually what you'll find in here on a Sunday morning is we'll be going through series, but every now and then uh, it just feels right that we take a moment and we pause. And this morning what we're going to do, really I just, I don't know how else to better explain it for you. We're just going to open up, I guess, what's been on my heart in my journal and take this one Sunday to kind of consider something that I think God's just really been working in me. And then next week when we jump back into church, uh, we will start a new series that we'll be going through throughout the summer. So I'd invite you to that. would love for you to come to that. But for today, if you would, would you just open up your Bibles to James? James. I kind of laughed and chuckled to myself this week as I was thinking about the message because, um, man, if you think of like most of the New Testament authors, right? I mean, you have Paul that does a really big chunk of it. And Paul's like really logical. He kind of flows like these really like heady theological arguments, right? If you think of just like Romans, like he really just lays it out bit by bit and he walks you through things in a real linear way. And we talked about how in the letters of John, we just wrapped up the letters of John and how when John's preaching, he's just all over the place, right? He's in and out of the same argument. He's just like, it's just like, haven't you said this 16 times already? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, he has. Uh, but he's really like sweet and endearing also. He has some, like John had some hard things to say to us, I think, but he also had a, a really nice tone where he approached us as dear ones, beloved children, right? And then you have James and James, I mean, doesn't, y'all read through James sometime, right? Like, he just kind of feels like he's sucker punching you right in the face when you read through James. Am I, am I lying? Like, James, so for some context, okay, James is the half-brother of Jesus, right? Two different dads. If you're tracking with that, you just go home and you ask somebody in the car on your way home. But, like, but, but James and Jesus grew up in the same house, right? I mean, they would have seen, I, I just can only imagine they had every relationship that brothers ever had, only it was probably way worse for James than for any other brotherly sibling out there, right? Because your brother was God. Right? And like, when it's like, hey, James, Jesus, go clean your room, right? You know who got it done first? I'll bet you Jesus did. <laughs> I just, I just, I was an older brother, right? And, and I'm not going to say who was the favorite. Okay, I clearly was. It was, not, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. But like, I grew up with a brother in my household and I, I know what that kind of feels like, right? And I, I know just like the, the, the tensions that come up, the fights that you get in, the arguments. I remember one time my brother, he was so mad at me. I had that change separator. You know, when we used to have like coins, right? You remember those days when we had coins? Uh, and it wasn't all just like touch here and boop and tap to pay or whatever. It's in your wrist or whatever happens, you know? Um, some of you are like, Mark of the Beast. And it's like, hey, just calm down. It's not what I'm talking about. But you know those change separators, right? My brother, one time he was so mad at me, he dropped my change separator in the toilet, right? Just having a fight. He just threw it right. So that, like, that's the kind of shenanigans you just expect with a brother, right? And I can only imagine how much James got in trouble and Jesus never did, Right? It'd just be hard. It'd be hard, wouldn't it? And yet, James almost seems more convinced than anybody that Jesus is exactly who he says he was, right? It's just, I think it's kind of a fun little witness of scripture that, man, how do you know that Jesus is who he said he was? Well, his brother believed him, right? 
They didn't fight about it necessarily. He just, he's just like, no, listen, uh, if you have, if you say you have faith, but you don't have works, your faith is dead and it cannot save you. He talks about our, our tongue and how it's the most evil of all the members of our body, right? And how it is just this little small thing, yet it can set such a forest ablaze with the damage and the pain and what we can cause with our words, right? And it goes all the way to say, man, it, your tongue really is an indicator. It's a barometer for what's happening in your heart because a, a spring cannot flow two kinds of water. It can't flow bitter water and fresh water. And so you know, really, you know your relationship with Jesus based on some of the words that you're using. Hard words from James, right? And James has this, has this passage here in James chapter four that I'd love to read together this morning. I'll kind of tell you what we're talking about. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Right? I, I love just how James zooms us into how fragile we are. He's like, oh, you say you're gonna do this, that tomorrow. He's got all these plans to go do these things, but, but you don't even know what's gonna to happen tomorrow. Even if you didn't know what's gonna to happen tomorrow, you can't control what's gonna to happen tomorrow. That's the frustrating thing, especially about like say parenting, right? Like you just, you have so little control. He says, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. He's like, what is your life? And you, this is where you expect, he's like, okay, here we go. The self-help talk is coming, right? He's just gonna like build us up. He's gonna pamper us. He's gonna make us see just how awesome we really are. And he says, you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. But I thought about just bringing a candle up here and just like extinguishing that candle for a second. You'd see the smoke for a second, then it'd be gone. James is like, that's you. You're just so small, so fragile. God is so big, so wondrous, so mighty, and you're just here for a second, for a moment, right? It appears for a little time, then vanishes. He's like, instead, instead of you just boasting about everything that you know is gonna happen, why don't you instead say, if the Lord wills, Think of that phrase right there. If the Lord wills. You can go to that next slide. James, James 4, 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Today, the message that I want to talk about, really, I've just called this, it's the lie of tomorrow. The lie of tomorrow. I think way too often we lie to ourselves about what we think we know is gonna to happen tomorrow. We get caught in thinking certain thought patterns about the future or we get caught dreaming about the future in a way that detaches us from the day that we're actually living in. The lie of tomorrow. I was uh, driving with my son here to church this morning, bright and early. He, sometimes he wants to come to church with me early in the morning. So I bring him over and we're chatting and, and he's talking about what he talks about all the time, which is the NFL. I don't know, is this just like a fad that's happening all over? Is everyone else's kids like that into football right now? Or is it just my house? Okay, I've got a couple of thumbs up. So um, Harrison's dream right now is to play in the NFL. It just, have you seen, have you seen this kid? Have you seen my kid? <laughs> We're built very similarly. And so I'm just like, bro, I love you. I just, I don't know if it's in the cards, man. Like, I just don't know if you will have the frame ever to play in the NFL. And so I, you know, knowing what I'm preaching on today and I'm like, hey, so tell me this. Um, if you want to play in the NFL one day, I'll tell you what, one of the big, he's got like great discipline. He's got great work ethic. Honestly, he'll just be out in the backyard, like running around cones and doing different things, drills, all that. He loves to work out. But I'm like, dude, if you don't start eating some actual food, <laughs> you are like a hundred pounds of muscle away, away from where you need to be someday, right? So like you got, I was like, when are you gonna start eating some food, bud? You know what he said to me? Literally, I'm not even kidding. Tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> Listen, tomorrow we're doing this thing. We'll be in this place. There'll be some good food there. I'm gonna start eating good tomorrow, right? 
Listen, we can laugh at our kids, right? But it's true about us too. We love to go, hey, when are you going to get your finances all in order? Listen, I will live on a budget next month. Please, like this month, let me just have some freedom, right? Like tomorrow, tomorrow's the day I'm going to be disciplined. I'm not going to hit the snooze button tomorrow. I'm going to get up. I'm going to wake up early. I'm going to take life and I'm going to go for it, right? Starting tomorrow morning. I'm going to, that diet that I've been swearing that I'm going to get back on since before the new year, right? Like I'm just, I'm going to get back on it. You know when I'm going to start dieting? Tomorrow. What, like what is it in your life? There's almost for sure something for all of us that we're saying, hey, I, I know this is important. I know this is of deep value. This is something that will help me be the person that I'm telling myself that I want to be. And I'm going to start doing that tomorrow. So it's not just one of our kids' favorite words. It's not just one of our favorite words. I think it's actually one of the devil's favorite words to keep us from doing what we know we should be doing today. How true is that? I think the devil would love to just keep us living in a place of tomorrow land where we're always just, hey, okay, I know, I know. I'll get there. And listen, okay, breathe out for a second. I'm not talking about like the laundry that's sitting on your laundry room counter that you told yourself you were gonna fold today. That's not what I'm saying today, okay? I'm not talking about the household drawers. I'm talking about like the big important things in your life. Hey, I know I need to reconcile with this person that I know that I just offended. I'm just gonna wait to do it tomorrow. Hey, I've got this tough conversation that's just lingered. We just talked about tough love, right? We just talked about that a couple weeks ago. I'm gonna do that next week. I will get there. I'm gonna wait till the time. Like we are always convincing ourselves that tomorrow will be a better day. Tomorrow will be a different day. And I think it just keeps us lying about who we really are when we're putting off or convincing ourselves that one day we're just gonna be different. When I think about how we lie to ourselves about what we're going to do in the future, there's two primary lies that come to my mind. There's doubts and there's dreams. We lie in our doubts and we lie in our dreams. Let me tell you about how you lie in your doubts. Just when we were worshiping just now, singing So Will I, I sat there and I just had this picture come to mind. And and maybe you're more or less charismatic. We are charismatic here. I had this picture come to mind of just a pair of shackles. And I think the lie that so many people can walk into this place and believe is like, I am completely stuck in this thing and I will never get free of it. And and I think God brought that to my mind to just go like, the next verse of the song that literally came up was, and as you speak, God, a hundred billion failures disappear. In other words, Jesus paid for whatever it is that you're struggling with and that the way he paid for it, the way he rose up out of the grave, bought your freedom so that you didn't have to live in chains anymore. I think, we, I think we lie to ourselves thinking like, well, my family's always just been this way, so of course I'm gonna be this way. His, my granddad did it, then my dad did it, and now I, as a dad, I'm probably just gonna continue it. And we just lie to ourselves. We get stuck in this doubt that, that this circumstance that I'm in can never change. And, and we doubt that like our finances are ever gonna get better. We doubt that this relationship's ever gonna get better. And we just get stuck in this negative thought pattern going like, man, I, I just don't think I can actually... I can actually do this. And we agree with the devil who's trying to keep us in a place where we don't have faith for what God can do for the future, but we just continually and consistently get stuck in doubt. Whether it's self-doubt, whether it's doubt about what's gonna happen economically, whether it's doubt about your marriage. My marriage is always gonna be this way. There's nothing we can do to work on it. We're just stuck right here. That's not, that's not Jesus teaching us how to pray. Our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer should interrupt our doubts to say, no, I want, I want to see heaven now. I want to see things shake now. I want to see strongholds broken now. I want to see victory come now. And of course we pray and we hold it all open-handed. No, without a doubt about that, I'm just saying there are far too many of us that get stuck 
in this thought pattern, doubting that God is ever going to change the life that we're living in now. And I want to remind you of this passage that's in Isaiah. Isaiah says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. In, in like other ways of maybe saying this, you probably heard a preacher say this at one point, like the, the, the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror for a reason, right? We are going forward. We're anticipating God with hopefulness that he's going to keep doing things, that all of his promises are yes and amen. We're gonna keep moving forward. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, God says, I am doing something new. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What he's saying is I will make what's impossible possible. Like it, where you don't see anything, where it's just a desert, I will put a river there. Oh, really? Israel, you're stuck up against this Red Sea and you have the army coming up behind you. I will open up the waters so that you can move. I will make a way where there is no way. Right, because just in case you need to be reminded this morning, let me just speak to your doubt for a second. Jesus rose from the dead. There's not a lot of more certain outcomes than just death, right? Like, like apart from Jesus, when you die, you are dead. Can we all agree on that? Like there's really no reversing. I know you could like, you know, charge those things up, slap their chest, whatever, and hope that heart starts beating again. But man, Jesus was dead for three days. And then he rose from the grave. He left the tomb. And what that means is there is no obstacle that you're up against. There's no circumstance that you can say is dead if God wants to resurrect it. So you don't have to live with this doubt that nothing's ever going to change. You don't have to accept this mindset that you can't grow or that you can't push through this obstacle. With God, all things are possible. You have to remember that. And I think we can just lie to ourselves and get us so stuck about what tomorrow's going to be like if we just always are accepting the status quo of today. But that would be a really small God that we'd be serving. Like one day he's going to come and he's going to make all things new. And I want to start building towards that future right now. And we should be longing in our marriages, in our relationships, in the way we use our finance, our finances, the way we steward our resources. We should be going, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're pushing on, straining on to what lies ahead is what Paul says. We're going to keep going, keep looking forward. So we lie to ourselves with our doubts, but then this is maybe a little more subtle, but I think it's maybe a lot more common. I think we also can lie to ourselves about our dreams. We can lie to ourselves about our dreams. So in James 4, 14, it says, yet you, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't. Crazy thing about you and me, we're stuck in today. You know what I mean? We can't go into our past. We can't see ahead to our future. All we have is now. You, you understand that? Like it's really simple, but it's also like that, that's, not also, that's not true about God. God is, he is in tomorrow already. He's not waiting for something to be revealed. He already knows how it's going to unfold. So he's, he, he's, James is driving down in on our smallness, on our fragility. He's like, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. Now, here's, here's what James cannot be saying. James cannot be saying that it is a bad idea to have any sort of plans whatsoever, right? I, I, I remember uh, Pastor Kent, when we were starting to do this transition and we were starting to talk about what preaching looked like, he said, I would listen to guys who would say, I'm just not gonna prepare anything until I get up there on Sunday morning and I'll, you know, set everything down and then I'll just go, come Holy Spirit, give me something to say. That, like, that don't work. Can we all just agree? 
Like you do not want me just rambling uh, like my stream of conscious thoughts for 40 minutes every Sunday. Like you would not want to come. I just promise you that. James is not saying that we shouldn't have a plan. He's not saying that you shouldn't have some sort of thought about where your career and where your family and where your relationships, where, how, like he, he's not saying you can't have a plan. What he is saying though, is he's saying that all of your plans should be couched in, Lord, what do you want? You know what that means? Brutally honest sometimes, that means you're gonna have a plan and God's gonna say, that's adorable, not going that way. <laughs> yeah? Anybody been there? Oh God, I really thought it looked like this. And he's like, yeah, no, no, it's really gonna look like this, right? Yeah. Come along over this way. Our dreams sometimes, I think we get these big visions for things that we're gonna do. We have these big ideas of where we're gonna go. And I, I just, we always have to be asking the question, but God, is this what you want? Uh, thank you for giving me this dream. Thank you for giving me this idea. Thank you for maybe planting this seed in my heart that maybe one day will turn into something beautiful. But for right now, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? I think way too often when we start thinking about where we're gonna be going in the future, we just make the automatic assumption when we think of this dreamed up state that time is just gonna be what gets us there. Here, let me explain that for just a sec. I remember when we first got married, I, I, I thought to myself, man, you know what? You know, just give me some time. I'm one day gonna be the kind of Christian, the kind of man that can lead my household well. And I'm gonna know scripture and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray. And, and just once we get married, and then it's like, and then we get married and then it's like, well, once we get settled into marriage, right? That first year, it's kind of like, you know, who knows what it's gonna be like, right? But then once we get settled into marriage, I'll have some routines and some rhythms and then I'll really start growing in my faith, right? And you know what just doesn't happen? Time doesn't transform you. Really, you're just an older version of who you already are. Maybe you learn some things along the way. Maybe you make some uh, course correcting adjustments, but for the most part, the whole saying of like, wherever you are or wherever you go, there you are. That's true also of the future, right? And so if you're just saying, well, once I get the promotion, then I will start being generous. Once our income looks like this, then I'll start being generous. Or, or, or once, once, we, uh, once, I really, once I have kids, then I'll really start to work on this whole patience thing because that'll help, <laughs> Right? Like, I just, I remember telling myself some of these things where I'm like, man, you know what? If we just, if Katie and I could just get married and if we could just like, if life could just settle down a little bit and we'll finally not be so busy. And it's like, yeah, what, like, what was idiot Austin thinking at 20 years old? But like, then we'll just settle down and then, you know, it'll just be like normal mornings. And then I'll be able to have a quiet time every single morning. That's a life of tomorrow. It's a good dream. But I'm just assuming that as my circumstances of life, as time just goes on, that something's just going to automatically change and happen. Now, by the grace of God, I was talking with Harper. We on a, went on a walk this week and I was talking like, man, you know what actually changed my faith trajectory completely is when we found out we were having you, our first little girl. We were going to welcome her in the world. And I had, this, I had this holy smokes moment with Jesus where I said, oh my gosh, if I don't actually start today acting like the man that I want to be to be the father of this girl, then I'm never gonna be the kind of man that God wants me to be. Today is the day. Now is the time. We can't just pretend that, that going throughout time is all of a sudden gonna provide for us a certain specific set of circumstances where we're all of a sudden gonna just step into the right kind of person we wanna be. You don't lie to yourself saying, oh, as soon as I have more money, then I'll be generous. No, you start being generous now and God does whatever he wants down the line with your finances, with your resources. You don't just say to yourself, okay, well, when we get through this uh, obstacle with our marriage or when we get through this thing, then I'll really, I'll really start investing back at home and I'll really start being the kind of husband, the kind of wife that I need to be at home. 
right? Like, let me just talk to all the, like, the go-getters out in the room, the guys who are out there just working all the time. Quit telling yourself it's just a busy season and start being the faithful parent and husband you need to be right now, right? Because I, I love the meme. I just saw it recently, right? It's like being an adult is just saying it's just a busy season over and over and over again until you die, right? Quit saying it's just a busy season. Quit. I think that is one of the ways that that people who are high achievers, high performers, love to just defer things out until tomorrow to say, well, I have other priority things right now. No, set the priorities of your life down right now. Put these things in place and say, no, these aren't moving. And so I'll do whatever I can at work. I'll do whatever I can with this side gig over here. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to be here. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be loving my wife. I'm going to be loving my family, serving my kids. I'm going to be present, right? Don't lie about tomorrow. There's going to be some different set of circumstances that all of a sudden just change you because that's a lie that the devil would love to get you to believe so that you always just remain some version of the same person you are today. So we lie to ourselves through doubts and we lie to ourselves through dreams. I, I recently was, uh, Katie and I were taking a walk. We were thinking of some of the building things that are going on here and we were just walking around uh, the, the property. I don't know if you know this, but the property that the church sits on right now, out east a little bit, there's that vacant lot. But, but when the church was originally built, some of y'all have been around longer than me, right? But um, we owned, the church owned the whole plot of land all the way down to 37th Street before that was developed, right? And so I remember, you know, I, I felt about as name and claim as I've ever been. I'm just like, Jesus, we're gonna have all this land back someday. Like I'm just walking down there. I'm just like dreaming it up. Like, man, how cool, like just, just dream with me for just a second, okay? Like how cool would it be if we as a church just had this community center where we were just open and we just like got to love on like uh, the, the kids of single family households, single parent households. And we just got to provide a space where kids could get mentored and loved and there could be a gym and we could play basketball and it'd, yeah, it'd be so fun, right? It'd be so cool. And then I, I just felt this very like firm but gentle push nudge from the Lord, where it was like, well, what are you doing today, right, that should warrant me giving you a building in the future? <laughs> and it was like, whoa, yeah, okay. That should be the question that every single one of us are asking about the dreams in our life. Okay, God, if this is the dream, and maybe it is a God-given dream, maybe it is something that God has spoken to you, but the, the lie that would keep you paralyzed is you always just living in dream world and never going like, okay, well, how am I going to be a faithful enough person today so that it makes sense to have that dream someday. Because I'll tell you what, like I don't want God to give me everything if I'm not being the faithful person that it takes today with the little things, right? I was looking at this uh, parable in Luke. This, this, this is an odd parable. Uh, um, it, it almost feels as if like Jesus in this parable is condoning someone who's doing unethical behavior. And so what's, what's happening is there's this, there's this manager and he He's trying to get out of debt. And so he goes to all of his business, uh, people who owe him money, all of his creditors, and he settles up all their tab for half of what it should be, knowing that, that his boss won't really ding him for that because he's a reputable man. But he's also like, but I'm in this like rock and hard place and I can't, I can't go beg and I, I'm not really good at a laboring person. And so I'm just gonna go do this. And he comes up with like this really shrewd plan. But it, as you read it, you're like, it's kind of shady though. Like it feels like he's kind of doing shady work. And then, and then Jesus almost like commends him at the end of it where it's like, that's good. And, and the point of the parable is not, Jesus is not condoning shady behavior. We should never believe that that's true. What Jesus is saying is a good move though, is being a shrewd person. As in having like a cunning plan, putting together the details of your life in a way that is intelligible and makes good sense to drive you somewhere. And so he says this in Luke. He says, 
One who is faithful in, a, in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? What Jesus is pointing to here is, is really practically financial stewardship. He's saying, hey, take care of the opportunities and the resources that you have and do so in a cunning and shrewd way. Don't be unethical. Don't, don't be shady, but do stuff that, that makes good sense. Here, here's what I'll say, like with your taxes, don't, don't cheat your taxes. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but use the laws that are there to lower that bill as much as you possibly can. Am I lying? Like it, it's saying, be, be wise with this stuff. Have a plan, have steps to take. But notice the line, he who is faithful over a little, that's the kind of person that God can put as faithful over much. So listen, I don't know what dream you have. Maybe, maybe you're not really wired that way. But I hope that maybe someday you can sit down with the Lord and go, God, give me a, give me a picture of what you want for my life. What does it look like if I'm just wholly surrendered to you? If I'm just following after your plan perfectly, what does it look like with my friends, with my family? What does it look like in the way that I, in the way that I lead, in the way that I give, in the way that I'm generous, in the way that I open up my home and be hospitable, right? Um, like, man, here's, here's the answer. Do some version of that dream, even if it's really small, today. Start now. So your house doesn't have six extra rooms and you don't have like this ensuite where you can take in like people who need a place to stay, have no money. Uh, no, but maybe you have just a spare seat at your dining table, right? Don't dream of some version of hospitality that's like forever far down the road. Like, oh, I'd love to be the kind of person that just welcomes everyone into our home. No, like start welcoming somebody into your home. Maybe it's really small right now, but, but God will be using the faithful over a little to entrust with faithful over the much. Does that make sense? Don't, don't, like, don't get so locked into this idea, Tomorrowland is what I just keep coming back to my brain, where it's like, no, tomorrow I'll be like that. Tomorrow I'm gonna do this thing. Listen, tomorrow is gonna continue to reap the same things, whatever it is that you're sowing into today. That's just a guarantee. It's a guarantee. And as we move to communion, I just, like, that's all I wanted to do. It's been something that God's been working in my heart like, I, I have dreams for this place. I have dreams for you and dreams for me. But I'm like, God, I don't want to just live in some dream world. I want to live today, right? Like, I want to I do the right things today. And then whatever you do with the future is yours to decide, right? That all belongs to the Lord. He's the one who's already there. I am like just a little mist, a little vapor, a little of air, and then that's it. So are you. So what are you doing today that is gonna let God entrust you with something more, something greater in the future. So that's how I want you to respond with and ponder as we're receiving communion today is what are you waiting to do tomorrow that you could do today? Again, like don't just like think of the laundry that you have yet to fold on your bench or whatever at home, okay? That, that's not what I'm talking about. You just breathe out and ask your husband to do that maybe if ladies, I don't know, he can help out. I'm sure of it, I'm sure of it. What I'm saying is, the relationship that seems completely broken? Are you stuck doubting? Are you stuck dreaming? Rather than cultivating something right now. Finances, resources. Are you a generous person right now? So what, you can't write the, the even thousands dollar of check. Okay, well, what does it look like to be generous today, right now? I'm not the parent that I wanna be, but someday, you know, when work is, it, quit lying to yourself. Start being the parent your kids need today.
What is it that you're putting off to tomorrow that you could be doing today? I gotta imagine in a room like this, there's maybe some of y'all, you came to church today and you just, you haven't started that relationship with Jesus yet. And so I hope even just throughout this message, maybe there's just been something pulling in your heart. Maybe something going like, okay, I just, I want, I want to believe that something like this is true. And I just wanna put the offer back on the table for you. That if you wanna surrender your life to Jesus and just yield the control of outcomes that you think you have, if you wanna just yield it over to him, if you wanna say, God, I trust in you to save me and to rule and reign over my life, then today could be the day where you unshackle yourself from the mistakes you made in your past. And today could be the day that a hundred million failures disappear. It could be today. And as we take communion today, hopefully you grab communion on your way in. If not, just throw your hands up. We have uh, the Cudmores will come down and they'll, they'll get you one. As we receive communion today, I, I wanna remind you as always, this is not something we're doing in hopes that God will treat us better. This is an acknowledgement from our soul, from our heart, that Jesus has paid for the mistakes we've made in our own life. And so if you're not there yet with Jesus, if you haven't made that decision yet to follow after him, then, then this moment in communion is not yet for you. But it could be your first communion today if you decide you wanna give your life over to him. And that's always the invitation. For everyone who is seated at the table of the Lord, right now, ready to eat and to drink. Let's be reminded that God saved us and he has us here for a purpose. He didn't just pay the bill. He didn't just empower us with his grace so that we could just wait to get to heaven someday. He saved us for a purpose. And that purpose all the time, every single time starts with what are you doing in your life right now? Don't get caught thinking about tomorrow. Don't get caught doubting tomorrow. But let's, in this time of communion, express our gratitude to Jesus for what he's done for us. But let's also simultaneously go, God, what is it in my life that I've been putting off that I need to just do right now, today? And I think as we seek the Lord, I'm praying the Holy Spirit will just prompt us in specific ways in what we can do. Psalm 139, search me, O God, know my heart. See if there's any ways in me that are anxious, any ways that are offensive in me. So the point of this moment right now is not for us to feel shamed or to feel stuck. The point of this moment right now is to say, okay, God, I know there's probably something in here that I'm not doing perfectly. And so would you lead me in the way everlasting? Would you lead me in the right direction? So Holy Spirit, I just pray that as we have sat with you illuminating Jesus's work on the cross, would you empower us to go and to, and to make the right step out of this place today? to not wait until tomorrow, but to start today. Help us to be a church that embraces the mentality of, of, of the now, not waiting until later. Don't let us agree with the devil when he's trying to convince us to wait. We're a vapor, we're a puff of smoke. We don't know how much longer any of us have. We don't, we don't know what we're gonna, it's gonna look like even tomorrow. So help us be faithful with what we have, where we're at right now. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.